Good afternoon. You are listening to the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour talk radio show that is being brought to you by the Rockdale County Stepping Up Initiative. You can continue listening to us on the CAT 10 ENT network by downloading the His Hop Radio app. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. everybody and welcome to the grit and grace the recovery hour today we have an incredible treat for us we have a mother and her son this is an incredible opportunity for all you people out there radio land that are experiencing uh the challenges that come from having a loved one who has the opportunity to recover from mental health or substance use disorder Today, you're going to hear a story. You're going to hear a story that's going to change your life. You're going to hear the voices of people who have that lived experience. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bill and Tanisha with the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour. And once again, we have an opportunity to bring you information as well as revelation. But we would be remiss if we didn't first shout out to our sponsor, the Stepping Up Initiative, which is a national initiative that has been adopted here in Rockdale County to reduce the number of people in jails that have mental health and substance use challenges. Also, we'd like to shout out to Commissioner Doreen Williams, who is the tip of the spear, who is our fearless leader, who is the person that through her commitment, through her dedication, and and through her journey, has created this opportunity and this platform for us all. And and with that being said, we're going to take a moment to introduce our esteemed guests. If you guys could just tell us your name and why you're here today. My name is Aaron. I'm here because I'm a person in long-term recovery. Yes. Thank you very much. And ma'am, could you tell the people out there who you are and why you're here today? Yes, my name is Tandy Vasquez, and I am the mother of Aaron, and I was invited to come to share my journey along with what has been going on with Aaron and his recovery process and my own recovery process as well. Wow, thank you. And I would also be remiss if I didn't shout out to my colleague, my partner in victory, Tanisha, say hello to the people out there in Radio Land and tell them why you're here today. Hello, everyone out there in Radio Land. I am here today because I'm just here to spread the message and to get the message. It's very dear to my heart to hear the recovery story of Aaron and his mother, you know, them being people in our community. And I'm just here to keep passing on that message. Yes, yes, yes. So one of the things for you people out there in Radio Land, shout out to the His Hop Nation, shout out to Hurricane Maine for creating this platform. This is the His Hop Nation, and you can find under the His Hop Network, you find Category 10, Cat 10 Entertainment. That's uh, Hurricane Maine. Also, you can catch the Hurricane Maine show on His Hop Nation. Anyway, with that being said, I think it's important that you people out there know that not only do people recover, families can recover, communities can recover, systems can recover, and we can all recover. 
I think that's a very important thing because when a person has a mental health or substance use challenge, the entire family is impacted. The entire community is impacted. The entire system is impacted. And that's one of the foundational tenets of the Stepping Up Initiative is we are trying to cohese the systems and cohese opportunities and connections so that the facilitation of recovery and the facilitation of miracles becomes part of the way we do business. Anyway, with that being said, so we're talking about recovery. So let me ask you, Aaron, before your recovery, what was it like on your dark days or when you were on the dark side of this thing? It was challenging. You know, I was addicted to smoking weed and it got real depressing. You know, I did it all the time. So I'd say yes. it was challenging. Yes, yes. And, and Tandy, what was it like for you when you were on the dark side of this event? It was horrible. It was tumultuous. It was a lot. And from many angles of it, you know, because to be a parent and not have any control over something that was destructive was really, really hard. And then having younger children who are observing with their own questions and their own fury made it even harder. It was a whole lot. It was a, it was a lot. Yes, yes. And, and you know, my name is Bill and I'm a person in long-term recovery is real. And I realized that when I was in the dark, I labored under a lot of misconceptions and the people that were trying to help me labored under some misconceptions as well. Dandy, what were some of the counterproductive factors, some of the misconceptions that either you labored under or the people that tried to support you labored under? I would say a lot of the, a large bulk of the misconceptions was blaming everything on a spiritual level, you know, putting everything that it was, it was all spiritual and everything had to be addressed with a spiritual approach. That was probably one of the, the biggest ones. And then on top of that, you know, just general stigma that, you know, that comes along with, with a diagnosis or someone that's in active addiction. So I would say the main thing though was probably the spiritual uh, misconception that added to something that was already a lot because then that challenges your beliefs with what I did have, which is beliefs, you know, so. Yes, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So Aaron, let, let me ask you a question. When you were on the dark side, what were some of the negative things about being in the dark? What were some of those negative events or, or, or some of the things that were really bad about being in active addiction? I was walking away from who I am. You know, I have so many talents. I played the instruments in sixth grade to eighth grade, then learned how to play the electric bass. I, I was playing the bass in orchestra, um, in orchestra class. I like to act and, you know, I had so many talents and I was walking away from them, you know, to, to get high. So, you know, uh, it was disappointing because I was walking away from who I am. Wow. Thank you. That is really heavy. And, you know, my name is Bill. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And that's from more than one thing. I happen to have a dual diagnosis. And I remember having mental and emotional challenges as well as physical challenges. 
as well as addiction challenges, as well as behavioral challenges. And I know that that had an incredible negative impact, not just on me, but on the people around me and people's ability to help me. So Aaron, what were some of the things that you, when you were in active addiction, some of the things that that deprived you of, or some of the things that you did not have because of your addiction? It deprived me, man. Um, I wasn't uh, doing anything that I like to do. I just wasn't doing the things I like to do, basically. You know, the stuff I enjoy doing, I wasn't doing at all. And, you know, it deprived me of, you know, my gifts, my talents. You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, I lived with my mom and, you know, she would see me high all the, all the time. She would see me high all the time. And, you know, instead of doing something positive, like drawing or playing the instrument, you know, and doing the stuff I like, you know. Yes, absolutely. And, and how did it how did it impact you financially? Because I was spending all my money on the dope man. You know, I was losing money. I had, you know, like, um, I, like, let's say I would spend $20 on weed and then I, I would smoke weed. And then for about three hours later, you know, after I've, I've been smoked up all my weed, I'll be like, uh, there's nothing to eat. You know, I've got money to eat or anything, you know, so it just really hurt me financially. Yes, yes, yes. And, and so, uh, Tandy, I want to ask you, uh, and I'm sure you got a list. Please give us the whole list. So. What were some of the things that Aaron's active addiction, as well as his mental health challenges, what were some of the things that that deprived you of or some of the prices you had to pay or some of the costs for that event? It's so funny to use the word cost and, and Aaron using the word his finances because it ultimately impacted mine the most probably in the sense where um, I would have to call and work a lot because like you said, there was, there's a dual diagnosis there, right? And nothing was being addressed. His mental health wasn't being addressed. Active addiction wasn't being addressed. So there were, you know, things that were taking place that required my attention. And so as a result of that, I'd have to leave work constantly or call and work. You know, I paid out of pocket for programs that I really couldn't afford. And that's just the truth. It wasn't in my budget. It wasn't money that I had tucked away from a rainy day. It was money that was coming out from my bills, which meant I had to do a lot of negotiating on the back end because I had bills. So it cost me finances. It, more than that though, it cost me a lot of peace of mind. It really, really robbed me of my peace because there's no way you can have, well, I can't say, I can't speak for anybody else. Let me speak for myself. It was very hard for me to have peace of mind while my son was making the choices that he was making because I knew what the outcome was going to be and and there was nothing I could do to stop it. And so it cost a lot of time. Really, I paid a lot of time with it. Um, a lot of time as far as, like I said, putting energy into trying to find answers, doing research. And, and then when I would research certain things, it was really, really scare me because I was like, oh my gosh, you know. And um, I didn't know about recovery. I didn't know Really, that's the truth. I didn't know that you can, someone can have a diagnosis and be living with, you know, mental health challenges and still live a very productive life if the right things are put into place, you know, treatment, peer support, you know, all those different things, counseling. I didn't, I didn't have any clue of that. So I was just reading things that I was finding up about symptoms. And so that, again, went into my sleep because I was up thinking about what I was reading. 
So it cost me my sleep, you know, and I guess, you know, which kind of runs into this peace of mind. And it cost for a season, and I'm glad that season is over. It cost me a lot of pain and hurt because not only was I watching him, again, I have other children that were watching and they did not understand a lot. And so they were coming to me with all types of statements and questions and comments and opinions that were valid. You know, and the difference is they're not mommy. So there's a level of tolerance and love and resilience that a parent has that, you know what I mean? Where somebody else is like, hey, I don't get it. (laughs) I don't get it. You know, so I'm sorry. I might have went on a little bit longer. No, absolutely. No, we we just, we want to thank you. Thank you for your transparency. And, and I want to thank you both for your transparency because this is something that afflicts people in our community. This is something that is happening all around us. And, and people are confused. People are misinformed. People are told all you need to do is pray. There are just whole just demographics that say, you know, you you shouldn't take medication. All you need to do is pray. Or or people say that all you should take is medication. Uh, That's all it takes. There's a pill that fixes this. And that's not accurate. Um, You know, there are pills to address certain portions of this, but the pill doesn't fix it. It, it, There is a very person-centered, recovery-oriented approach that brings people to the place where they live lives of whole health and wellness in the communities of their choice, as opposed to the confines of a singular pathway. So that that's just really, I want to thank you guys for your transparency, because Tanisha and I also are people in recovery. And so I know that in my dark days, there were jails, institutions, near-death experiences. I was mayhem on society, and, and society looked at me through a lens that didn't necessarily it had more fear than it had compassion. Um, public safety, I was a nuisance to public safety because I would steal your stuff and, and I would hurt people. You know, I, my, my mental health concepts were totally unchecked, running rampant and wild. And, and I was totally opposed uh, because of some of those stigmas around mental health. Because where I came from, there wasn't mental health. There was only crazy. Yeah. You know, and there were two kinds of crazy. Crazy like you get a check, and then crazy like you get in fights all the time. You know, like the police, he's in jail again. He's crazy. You know, and there was only that. And I don't even think the word recovery existed. I've never heard anyone in the community that I was in that I can remember at any point say the word recovery. Only time I heard the word recovery was when the people were coming to get their car back and you hadn't paid the bill on your car. They called that recovery, but that wasn't the one they were talking about. And Tanisha, for you, in your dark days, what do you remember? What is probably the most powerful memory you have from your dark days? Well, there are so many memories. If I look back on my dark days, the effect it had on my family, you know, the effect it had on my mother, my husband, my children. I think my children were affected the most and that's what hurt me the most. So it's kind of a little twist on on Aaron and his mom's story because I was the mother and I affected, you know, my children. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, my my children not only saw me go through my addiction, but my last DUI, they were in the car, you know, with me and 
just that memory of being pulled over by the police. I remember even not too long ago, I was I was driving and I was my son had called me. He was on FaceTime and he saw some blue lights and heard, heard a siren. He said, are you getting pulled over? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not getting pulled over. Like, you know, now I have that ease of mind, but it's still yeah. in them. You know, it's still a memory for them that I know, you know, they'll be relieved of one day, but it's still there it, that that has happened, you know. So that's some of the memories. And I think in my recovery, that's what really means a lot to me is, you know, making sure that they have something else better to see from me. Yes, thank you so much, Janisha. We would like to thank our leader, Commissioner Dr. Doreen Williams, the Rockdale County Sheriff's Office, along with other numerous partners and stakeholders that are taking the initiative to create change for the Rockdale County recovery community. We know that it takes all parts of a community to carry out this vision, and together we are stronger. With that being said, um, I want to ask you guys another question. And I know that it gets very dark. I know that for me, when I was in my active addiction, which lasted for a very long time, 40 years, at the end of my addiction process, my mental health challenges, I think I had extinguished hope. I didn't have hope anymore. I did not believe that it was going to change. I believed that I was going to die. You guys are extremely resilient. So Aaron, let me ask you a question. When you were in your active addiction, what was your greatest fear? Did you have fears? Here and there, I would fear, you know, the police and then uh, getting caught with weed on me. Um, yeah, I would fear, I fear the police. Getting high, you know, you know, it only lasts for about three hours. And, um, you know, part of it is just a waste of your time. Like for the people out there, it's a waste of your time. I was dealing with depression and I had fear in my mind, you know. Yes. Like the the, the, the weed would put fear in my mind, literally, like make me panic. And it's just something people shouldn't be wasting their time with. Yes. Yes. Thank yeah. you so much for saying that. So, Thandy, tell us for you. How did you maintain and sustain your hope through that whole event? Okay, so of course by faith, right? I, I, you know, God has brought me through, and that's just the truth, right? You know, yes. um, I, I can only say that, you know, God's grace is really real, you know. So His strength, because truly my strength was was not strong enough. I would say also education, education, because from a family members right? Perspective. My situation is different from Aaron's, right? Because it's two different angles, right? And so without education, I think I would have been able to know even more about recovery. So for instance, right? Like I said, I would, you know, a lot of people were saying things were spiritual. That's a lack of education on my end. Uh, then I was reading things on Google and all that other stuff or different websites, but I still wasn't getting big picture. I'm just reading certain things and then I'm panicking. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, this is the worst. This is never going to get better. So now, though, once I started getting education, really getting in this peer support world, you know, because I found out that there was positions for me as a parent. So I'm a peer support for parents um, who are going through these same things. And I, I, st I started getting education as far as that is concerned. Then discovering the importance and the beauty of community supports. 
you know, and, and getting treatment, you know, so, and that all falls under education. So that has helped me a lot to my faith, getting educated, uh, connecting with people that are in recovery, like you both, you know, Bill has been very instrumental as far as giving me, so I'm a peer support for parents, but he's helped me understand the addiction side of what Aaron's going through, where before that was this loving, resilient, you know, go to war, go to battle for my son, parent. And then I become educated on peer support, how to support families. I still need to get more education on addiction and living with mental illness. So I think my faith, education, connecting with other people who are in recovery, who model recovery, and then seeing Aaron's progress. That's what I'm So let me ask you this, and I want to go back. Tell me, so this process, obviously, of Aaron's active addiction and mental health challenges lasted for quite some time. So tell us, how did you, but let me, let me ask you first, Aaron. Aaron, why did you come across to the light? Why did you come across from the dark to the light? Because I missed who I was. You know, like I said earlier, getting high all the time was blocking me from, you know, who I am. And, um, you know, I missed who I was and I wanted to get help. Yes. Yes. Thank you for saying that. So, Sandy, let me ask this. Tell us, I heard you talk about education. I heard you talk about peer support. I hear you talk about the community. So kind of tell us the chronology. How did you find the process of recovery? How, tell us, kind of give us some insight on how all of that rolled out. Okay. So I would say I found process of recovery because, again, I'm in recovery myself as well, different from Aaron, but still recovery, different type. So for my personal recovery, like I said, it, I think the first exposure to peer support I ever got was when Aaron was in a, a drug rehab program and they had us to come visit him. I had, I was required to take this class, which um, it was only once, you only had one visiting day a week and you had to take this class. And I approached it with a very negative mindset because I just wanted to see my son, you know, working hard all day and, you know, coming back to just, it was just a long day. I'll never forget that day. And I said, I want to see, you know, I want to see my son. And they said, I had to take this class. And then I, I said, fine. I finally caved in because I knew they weren't going to let me see him without it. And that was when um, I got exposed to group peer support. And I was around a bunch of parents who were feeling the same thing that I was feeling and the fear of what was going to take place once, once their family member got discharged. That's a whole, that's just a panic fear. You know, anticipating discharge does a lot internally if there's a history there. But I felt empowered in a sense where I, I was around people that understood. And so I felt I was in a judgment-free zone, which is something that parents really don't get often when they have children that are in active addiction or living with mental health challenges. They, they're judged all the time. Their parenting skills are judged. They're, they're, everything is judged. It is judged really hard. So that began it. But again, it, it's a journey, right? So that was in 2013. So let's fast forward. I had Aaron trying to take him back and forth to get him engaged with different things. You know, obviously the rehab, there was a relapse. We tried different formal treatments, but there, there was really no breakthrough in his end. He wasn't ready. So 2017, I was at my wit's end and um, Commissioner Williams had put out in the area, because I live in Rockdale County, that she was having community conversations on mental illness. And I was like, oh, I saw the paper. I was like, what is this? You know what I mean? I was like, maybe I'll get some answers. Like I was just, there has to be something, you know, maybe I'll get some answers from this. So I went and I got to hear Bill Carruthers speak. And I was like, wow, you know what I mean? I got some insight. I got some understanding. It was, it was powerful. And so then 
going to 2018, I get a call from a really good friend of mine and she says, Tandy, because she knew about uh, things that Aaron was going through. And um, she said, I found out about this job that I think you would be great for. And I said, what is it? And she said, you would be working with parents who are raising children with a diagnosis, with a diagnosis or substance use. And so I was like, okay, great. So I reached out to the agency. They hired me. I qualified because of Aaron. And so then that's when I started getting some education because there was there was requirements from DBHDD certification. So that's when I started, my education really started getting really, really, you know, I was starting to get more aware of things and, and being in around other parents who I was supporting as far as peer support is concerned. And then other parents who were hired with the same agency and speaking to them with their experiences. Then my recovery expanded. I went to a training in 2019 that was for, for peer supports and it was in Athens and I happened to see Bill and I didn't know him, but I remembered him and then I approached him. And prior to that, I was actually telling the agency that I was working for, I was telling the, the owner of the agency, I was like, look, I need, I was honest. I was like, I need some additional peer support for myself because Aaron was still, you know, I'm, I'm helping these families, but I'm, I'm you know, my son is, is out there and, and you know what I mean? I just need some help, need some support. And so little did I know that when I went to this meeting, I would see Bill there and I just walked up to him and was like, I think I heard you speak in 2017. And he said, you did where? And I told him Rockdale County, the event that the commissioner had. And um, I began to, you know, tell him, you know, exchange numbers because they were building this project in Rockdale County with you all a part of Grit and Grace and, and everything. And there was a movement coming to Rockdale. So he said, where do you live? And I said, Rockdale. And he told me about the movement. Of course, I wanted to be involved. This was pre-COVID. And then so because he was sharing different things about the movement, what was going on and what was in the process of being developed, I started sharing information with Bill about my son. And then he was kind enough to say, hey, I'll speak to him. And then that's when my recovery really, really started. It, the process was there, but it started moving forward because I got to see something that I never witnessed before. Because um, what Aaron hasn't told you is that I have taken him over time and for a long time I didn't, but then I realized that there's nothing wrong with treatment and things. And I tried to get him engaged in, in different treatments and things and he wasn't. And so there was no breakthrough at all with any professional, really, you know, but I got to see Bill and there was another peer support there, Walter. And um, I got to see them navigate through so many different ways with Aaron. And really, really, it was it was like it was a skill set that I'd never seen before. And again, nobody loved Aaron as much as I did. But I did not. I was not equipped because I couldn't connect with him at the level that he was at with his challenge. I was mom and frustrated, but, you know, cause I didn't understand why would you continue to live this way? You know? So that really propelled my recovery to another level because that's when I started seeing breakthrough for real. That's when wow. I got to see motivational interviewing in the place. And, and we left there with a great outcome, something I didn't anticipate. And again, the journey was still going on, but we saw significant progress. That was a, that was permanent fixture. It was a staple, you know, for sure. We would like to take a moment to acknowledge some of our partners in recovery. We are appreciative partners of the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network and would like to acknowledge them for providing peers with mental health resources and opportunities to become certified peer specialists in specific domains of their recovery. You can visit their website by going to www.gmhcn.org. We are also proud to be in partnership with the Georgia Council on Substance Abuse. 
They provide multiple recovery resources in the CARES Support Warm Line. You can visit their website by going to gasubstanceabuse.org. With that being said, Erin, she's talking about a meeting that we had. Do you remember that meeting? Yes, I do. And so tell us about that experience for you, that meeting. What do you remember about it and what was the outcome? Well, I got to meet you for the first time, Bill, and um, I met Walter Nunley, and I was in addiction at the time, and um, you told me about your substance use, and um, you told me about, you know, how you used to be in addiction, and um, you you got to talk to me. Yes, absolutely. And, And so when we left that meeting, you had made a decision, and what was that decision that you had made? I had decided to get medication for myself. Because at first I wasn't willing to, you know, I just, I I just wanted to get high, but um, I decided to get the medication for myself. You know, you were telling me it would better me at the meeting. You know, you guys were uh, really supporting me at the meeting. And so I I just ended up getting the medication. You called viewpoint there and um, set up the appointment for the next day. And then, you know, I ended up getting my medication. Yes. So, and so that's a powerful thing. So Aaron decided to get his get to get on the injection. So so let me ask you a question, Aaron. After you got the injection and it got in your system, how did that change you? My thoughts were organized. I felt calm and it was the right choice. It, you know, it's what I needed to do. Yes. You know, I was yes. avoiding it for so long. Yes. Know. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so I, much. I think I think what I was thinking was um like when I was smoking weed was it would take away my time to get high if I went mm-hmm. to if I had to go to a viewpoint to get the medicine. I, that's why I didn't want to do it. But I ended up doing it. You know, I'm five months clean, sober, and I'm yes. still taking my medication. Yes. Yes. So, Tandy, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. When Aaron made that choice that day to get the medication uh, or to start the injection, Tell us about just kind of what was going through your mind and then just give us some some information about how that ended up. So watching the process was amazing. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to act like I wasn't wowed because I was like, whoa, because Aaron, you, you, I'd never seen anything like it. Like I said, I've sat in with therapists and different things with Aaron and I never saw anything like that. So that was just amazing. I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. I was like, wow. And he, he, he made the appointment and I still was nervous because I was saying, is he going to show up to this appointment? Because you know? <laughs> we still had some time. You know what I mean? Like, yes. you know, the next day, is he going to dip out? You know what I mean? Is he going to like, you know? And so, but when he showed up and then he got the shot, I was like, wow. I was thankful to God because it was a very many years of prayer, trying to get him to get the treatment, trying to get him to get help, trying to get him to stop using, trying to, you know, to see your son be this very ambitious, outgoing person to decline and, you know, and and then transform into a man that is just doesn't care how they look, how they carry themselves. They don't care where they live. There's, you know what I mean? And that was, again, very painful to me was this torture. And I often tell people it actually felt like a death because I didn't think I was going to get my son back. Who he was, was not who he, who he used to be, was not who he was. 
And so to get him to that point, and then he showed up the next day, I was like, oh my gosh, I was so <laughs> excited. I couldn't believe it. I was like, ah. <laughs> yes, yes. That was, yes, yes. And that's what goes back to the question you asked me. That's when I believe my recovery began when I went to put him in rehab because though he relapsed, I still got empowered based upon the group meetings. So I, I looked forward to those greeting meetings every, every Tuesday after that. So that was it. But it was still, again, it's that process. And then, you know, a couple of years later, the commissioner doing the community conversations that added to it. You know what I mean? Recovery is in layers. And then me finding out the position and getting training, you know, through DBHDD and um, for high fidelity wraparound trainings that I had to take. That was education. And that was part of my recovery, educating my kids as I learned myself. I think, though, like I said, that that when we saw that next level was when I saw him go to get the shot. And that's because I think, and I think what it was, because that's when Aaron became involved in his recovery. He yes. was running things, not me, not my desire to want to see my son do well, not my goals that I knew he was going to be the successful person and what happened, but he took charge, you know? Yes. And so that brought healing to me and which allows me to tell parents all the time, look, it's hope, but it's a process, you know? Yes. And, but yes. to see him do well, I mean, I'm now what they call, before I was trying to govern his recovery, I'm now a natural support. We are grateful to have partnered with Dr. Reverend Tracy Lewis and the New Directions Transitional Housing Program. You can learn more about her programs and organization by visiting her website at growingdiscoveriesoutreach.com. So with that being said, and I know that we heard Candy talk about she's a certified peer specialist for parents. Myself, I'm a certified peer specialist for addictive disease, for mental health, for whole health, and I'm a forensic peer mentor as well. And you heard Candy talk about a process where Walter Nunley, who is the certified peer specialist who provides services for Rockdale Accountability Courts, when Aaron sat down with us and he was talking, is some of the trainings that we had got through our certification that allowed me to recognize his diagnosis, that allowed me to see some of the, the diagnoses, to see some of the effect, to hear in his speech the disorganized type. When I heard that, and, and one of the tools that I've always used is when I'm talking to people that have that, then I go to the whiteboard. We went to the whiteboard and initiated the motivational interviewing techniques that allowed us to open his communication up in a written form so that he could see it, other people could see it, and put everybody's communication up there so that mentally, visibly, auditorily, you can compare everything and start to see how these things don't match. And we take it for granted, but it works, right? It works. Uh, and we are the evidence that it works, right? Yeah. And so Tandy kind of talked about that process. I know that, shout out to all the people out there in Radio Land, we're talking about the, the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network, who is one of the premier entities in the United States for the creation of the peer workforce. They are executors over the Certified Peer Specialist Project, who are people with the lived experience who get trainings and certification to provide those services to other people, the bridge that brings people across. They become that bridge. So just for, for the sake of information, 
Tanisha is going to that training to get her certifications in the next cohort. Yay! And the crowd goes wild. Yay. So, Aaron. Can I, can I just say one quick thing there, Bill? And it's yes. so funny that you, you mentioned that because it's all, and this is something actually I learned from you, where we're all part of the solution, right? Yes. We're all part of it. So, though, you know, I'm mom, right? So that has that love thing. Now, like you said, now I'm a natural support as opposed to the governor. <laughs> um, your, your expertise, you and Walter's, was able to connect with Aaron, you know, so the motivational interview and all of that stuff was great, right? Because then that, that broke things down. But the connection was there because you were able to relate to his struggle. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's why I just, I'm just so for, I, I believe I've said this a bunch of times. I may have said it earlier. I'm a proponent for the peer support movement, no matter what it is, whether it's forensic, whether it's active addiction, whether it's for parents, CPSYs for youth, because lived experience has power and has value because it doesn't replace therapy or any of that, you know, not at all, you know, it can't. However, what it does do is it allows some pe people to understand that I can relate. And when someone feels that someone can relate to them, that just really, really opens up doors for them and opens up their mind and which broadens their options. Yes, absolutely right. So Aaron, let me ask you a question. So we talked about that first meeting. So then we continued with your active addiction for a while. And then there was another meeting where me and Aaron, we ended up, I reached out to him and said, let's go have some lunch. And he said, okay. And we went and had that meeting. Do you remember that, Aaron? Yes. So tell it us. It was what with another there. peer support. You know, it was with Miss Paula Boyd. And um, we went to Longhorn. You know, we sat down and um, I remember it. Yeah. And, and so we was in that meeting. And what do you think, what came out of that meeting for you, Aaron? What really came out was that if um, if I'm going to do something with my life, it's time now. You know? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, not too long from that, from then, a couple of weeks later, I ended up here at the rehab I'm in. Yes, yes, yes. So. And like Aaron was saying, so it wasn't long after that, he actually gave me a call and he said, Bill, I'm ready. And so we were able to facilitate that with the partnership with Dr. Tracy Lewis at New Directions Housing and mom and dad and everybody came together, the whole family, the entire tribe, the circle of support. Everybody, we put them in a circle and we made sure that that happened. I think two of the things that are really powerful about the story is that when he was ready to make that decision, we were able to immediately facilitate the action in the movement. When he was ready to get the injection, we were able to get him in the next day because you, we all know about that window. And, and for those of us in active addiction, if you leave the window open, we'll probably climb out the window before you get back. So what happened was when those windows of opportunity presented themselves, we immediately took advantage of that. Shout out to the people at Viewpoint for being a powerful partnership. Shout out to Brenda Ernest, who is now the director for the Stepping Up Initiative and liaison to the court. Shout out to Dr. Tracy Lewis, who is the director of New Directions, because all of those people immediately accommodated the partnership with Stepping Up and said, okay, let's do it right now. So Aaron, when you decided to go and you went to New Directions, which you say you are now, tell us some of the advantages to being in New Directions. Well, some of the advantages are 
you go to church, you can stay in a clean, sober environment. It's real peaceful here. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's a good place to be. Yes, 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 yes. And, and so, Aaron, you said you've been sober for how long? Five months. And, and so what do you do with your days now? Tell us what what do you do? Um, I draw, I read. So what do you um, do professionally? I exercise. Okay. I make beats. Okay. And and so they tell me that you also have a job. Yep, I'm working at Best Western now. Okay. And how long have you been working? I've been working for about four months. Okay. Okay. So you're working, you're attending church. Do you go to meetings? Yep, I do group meetings here at New Direction. Yep, I get to go on group meetings and work on my recovery whenever it's possible for me to get on. I get on and, you know, I have a counselor here. If I ever need to talk to him about anything, I just let him know. You know, we discuss how to better myself in recovery all the time. Wow, that is powerful. So, Sandy, when you're hearing Aaron talk, tell us what that does, what resonates with you. Give us an insight on what you're feeling right now, what you take away from that. God answers prayer. <laughs> That's number one. You know, God answers prayer and it, it warms my heart. I have a new level of hope, a new understanding of hope, a new appreciation for hope, a new reality of hope. Hope is real. We, you know, say all the time, oh, I hope so. I hope so. You know, we say that around, but, you know, I've been hoping for a long time. And um, the fact that it's now what I hope for, I'm actually living and that's seeing him better. I can't put a dollar amount on it. It's priceless. It's invaluable because again, recovery is about, so like when there's mental health challenges that aren't addressed and active addiction that's not addressed, it affects the family. But when recovery takes place, it affects the family. So to see my my other children have a relationship with Aaron now, it's like no other. Again, it's part of my recovery because it, it lets me know that there's hope. I didn't think they, their relationship would ever be repaired because it was very damaged. I thought it was like trying to, you know, I just thought it was irreparable. So to see that, it's a miracle. Um, yes. You know, so I get to, uh, you know, Aaron right now to me is a miracle. He is a yes. sign and a wonder. And so that encourages me, but it also helps me to help other parents. So I do my job better as well, because now I, I can really say, it's one thing saying, well, things will get better and let's just try this. But to know, hey, listen, I have, I did, you know what I mean? I'm telling you firsthand, my own story, things can get better. You know, it's just a matter of waiting on the process and working together collaboratively. And so it's changed my appreciation for hope. I think right. before I used to just say it, but now I know it's true. I believe it. Wow. And I have peace. And I'm so proud of Aaron because he, he's like, know, you right? know, and my whole family. I mean, he has, his recovery has helped our family. It's, it's increased their faith, their hope. Yes. And, and Aaron, is he's participated in multiple radio shows. He's a big time radio personality. He does, <laughs> yeah. All those things have been restored, renewed, redeemed, and restored. Aaron, so can you tell the people out there in Radio Land, what does recovery mean to you? Recovery means being who you are, being who God designed you to be. Ooh, yes, sir. Boy, you, that sounds like something I see in one day. Yes, sir. 
Yes, 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 yes. So, um, Tanisha, do you have any questions for Candy and Eric? If I had to ask one question, it would really be, um, Tandy, what's a message that you have for Aaron? And Aaron, what's the message you have for your mom? So my message for Aaron is, Aaron, I am so proud of you. You are a miracle. And seeing you today, where you are now versus where we were last year or 10 years ago, it's a miracle. I am so in your corner. I so believe in you. I know that this is just the beginning. You're going to go far and you're going to touch a lot of people's lives and help a lot of people because you're powerful. You're powerful. And you're doing, like you said, being who God designed you to be, which is a, a sober and have relationships with your family and, and everything. So I'm so proud of you. Super proud. Yes. And I love wow, you. that is. That is super powerful. Thank you so much. And Aaron, what message do you have for your mom? Mom, thank you so much for supporting me um, and walking me through this process and working with me, you know, being there for me. Even though I was, uh, even the times where I was getting high and I'll be high all the time, you're still there for me. And, um, you know, now it's better, better to be in your life than ever that I've been sober for five months. and. Um, Thank you so much. Wow, that is so powerful, man. There's nothing more powerful than that. Yes, I'll ask you guys one more quick question. Ladies and gentlemen, out there on Radio Land, this is Bill and Tanisha with Aaron and Tandy. We're here, the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour. You can hear this Wednesday at noon to one, and it'll be rebroadcast on Thursday from one to two. Aaron, what message do you have for all the people out there at Radio Land? Your peers really care, so give recovery your all. And Dandy, what message do you have for all of the mothers out there in Radio Land? Don't give up. Woo! With that being said, man, we are so grateful. But before we go, Tanisha, tell the people how they can get in touch with us. Yes, you all can stay connected with the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour and the Grit and Grace Recovery Community Organization. Rockdale Stepping Up. Our website is rockdalesteppingup.com. We have a monthly newsletter that is on there under the Stay Connected tab that will connect you to all of our social media pages, which is our Facebook, our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All of those are listed under Grit and Grace RCO. And then we also have our podcast, which you can hear these radio recordings at your convenience. Those are available on several different platforms. Some of them are Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. So you can get to all of those and be able to listen to us on there. Also, on that newsletter, you have several different recovery resources to stay connected. You'll get a message from Commissioner Doreen Williams, as well as um, you can view our Recovery Champion of the Month. So stay connected with us and keep coming back. Wow, man, I'm glad you're here, Tanisha, because I can never say all that in one piece. Anyway, with that being said, Tandy and Aaron, we want to thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength, and open your truth. Everybody out there on Radio Land, we want to thank you for your continued support. 
Hurricane May, shout out to you, man. Thank you for this platform. Commissioner Doreen Williams, the tip of the spear, thank you for making all this possible. And, and just keep coming back, y'all. And we're going to see y'all again next week. Yay! Thank you for tuning in and feeding your recovery with another episode of the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour. Remember that you can stay connected with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Grit and Grace RCO or just keep coming back every Wednesday at 12 noon. Until then, and as always, cherish the chips you hold.